Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Okay, uh, it is mid-February now, and Max, you decided that, that you couldn't stand the dreariness of the, the white north, so you came to a slightly less cold but still very dreary uh, mid-Atlantic Washington, D.C. area. How, how do you feel about that choice this weekend? It was good. I mean, I, I, I needed to wait until the end of the, the football season, and now that that's passed, I could come back down and enjoy the, the warmth of... <laughs> I mean, it was 60 degrees yesterday. Yeah. That's warm. I think it was two two days ago. Um, so we celebrated by going to a brewery that was a farmhouse brewery. And actually, every single person that lives in northwest Virginia was there, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Um, yeah. I celebrated by getting a terrible upper respiratory infection and being sick all week and not being able to come up and join you, which was fun. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Um, but one of the things that, you know, like one of the main symptoms that I had was just being super low energy and feeling really like burned out. Yeah. Does I that, hear you, Jeb. Does that I hear you, Jeb. All? <laughs> Does that connect at all to what we're going to talk about today? No. Is that a good I mean, segue? I th- well, I, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the week that you were sick, but you didn't really take time off work, did you? Uh, not a, well. Yes, I actually did. I started getting worse, and I basically took Tuesday and Wednesday off. Um, <laughs> but once I went to the doctor and got some slightly better medicine, I, I decided to check back in for the back half of the week from home for quarantine purposes. Yeah, and and I think that that, that reminds me because. I don't know if you guys still get sick leave. I, I don't. I don't know about you all, but I feel I like a lot of uh, yeah. So so I know that friend of the pod, Kevin, that went away recently for him. I think really? it's become just Oof. a ba- well, just a big bank of leave, and okay. the older folks are really weirded out by it. Um, but it's all I've I've ever known. I worked somewhere that had unlimited sick leave, but then they kind of they were like within reason. Um, but you mentioned checking in from home, uh, Sean. And Max, have you ever taken a, a sick day? No, I have not. Yeah. But have you ever worked from home when you weren't feeling well? Yes. Yeah. And and I have two. And that, that does relate to what we're going to talk about this week, which is the the ability to work from home is something that is, I don't know, maybe not even 20 years old at, at this point. Um, and it kind of speaks to how connected we are to to our jobs and and sean i know you and i both um reacted to to a another podcast um and and really a piece that i believe was in the wall street journal about kind of the the work mentality of of people our age yeah so so there have have been a number of uh a number of pieces in in major national media outlets devoted to um to the question essentially of whether or not uh millennials people roughly our age um a couple years younger to about 10 years older Mm -hmm. are 
working harder are more burned out are more beaten down by life than previous generations um there was a uh i think it was a new york times piece last week uh maybe the week before about uh the bizarre phenomenon of thank god it's monday uh and and how uh millennials are, are feeling like they really need to give themselves over and like be enthusiastic about, you know, overworking themselves. Um, but a podcast that you listen to more often than 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 we do, Slate Money, yeah. uh, has a co-host named Anna Shemansky, yes. who uh, said "fooey, fooey" to all of that. Yeah, and um, she is she is an older millennial. She'll say, and she yes. said, "No, this is this is not the case. They're they're not working any harder. This burnout is is their fault. It's not the, it's not the climate." And there was a, a lot of <laughs> the rest of the world said "fooey" to her. Yeah, the rest of the world said "fooey" to her, and and I think today because I've talked about it with with each of you individually. Um, is okay this is you know does it exist does it not and and we should spend more time on the the why of it because i think that there is a a culture that is causing it in some ways physical devices um and and it's related to the idea of even being able to take your work home which i think is completely new you know max we were just just discussing uh you know i have well first of all what do you you have on your phone your work email right yes yeah so you are quite literally at all times your work is in your pocket uh yeah i guess you could put it that way yeah i mean it's you're not disconnected and i um i have a work phone that's separate than my than my personal phone now but before at a previous job i had my work email on my phone and people would call me. I remember getting a call one time at two o'clock in the morning on like a Friday night. Yep. That's happened to me as well. And, and I had to work and yeah, Sean, you made a face, the <laughs> correct face for this. Um, and I even remember, I can guess this later, but, uh, it's the why for me, I think is really important because, uh, it's very hard to, and the word that comes to mind for me is disconnect mm-hmm. um this is all so <clears throat> intertwined and disconnection seems impossible in a way that it never has been before yes max but i think it's also uh, related to it I, le- I read a couple of these articles on millennial burnout i know the long form one that i saw linked to a bunch of times was the the buzzfeed one yes which i thought was very well written but it kind of focuses on how a lot of millennials are brought up in such a way where they're basically told they can have whatever they want but whatever they want means this super high paid fulfilling job that you're yeah. working super hard for. Yeah. And, and so you're saying disconnection, but I think something else that resonates there is that even a, just attempting to disconnect can make you feel guilty because you feel yes. like you're not participating in the hustle. Mm. Yeah. And so that, that goes back. That was more or less the exact point of this New York times thing. It was all about the hustle and the mm-hmm. idea. I mean, we, I don't know that we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, you know, the idea that it's treated as commonplace, the the thought that you would have a side hustle, that not only is you do you have your, your main job that pays your everyday bills, but that you're doing that to support 
your ability to do other work on the side in, you know, uh, hopefully in something that's more kind of enjoyable and, and fun and fulfilling for you, but maybe just in a way that your job doesn't make enough to pay all your bills and you need to actually do that to live. And so that's being treated as uh, not as a good thing, and mm-hmm. it get it's not a good thing. Um, but like you know, I would say that I so I think I have a different experience from from both of you guys in that I I have had in my professional life I've had an easier time disconnecting because, <coughs> and I think this is going to take us to one of the places you want to go, Pierce. Um, I don't have like a work phone or anything. All of our office communication is handled through uh, either email or virtual phones on Skype for Business. Mm -hmm. And so when I don't have my primary work device is not a phone, it's a computer. And I leave my computer at my office when I leave, except for certain special circumstances. So like, I can actually break away and say, well, I was off the grid for, for the weekend or I put all my stuff away because I feel like my head's underwater and I have a hundred degree fever. So I'm going to bed, uh, even though it's 2 PM. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I was, I was just considering though, is that, you know, I, I wonder if some of the pushback to the idea of millennial burnout is coming from older generations who like who are thinking, well, this stuff is happening to us now too. Mm-hmm. They're not considering the comparison of they're further down their career roads. They're older, and so like we're we didn't age into or get promoted into this point where you were expected to be connected all the time. We yeah. were just sort of kicked straight into the workforce at that level. But – and with those people, I get it. And I think where it's different is um, a lot of those people, if it's if it's someone in you know middle management or even a leadership position, they've kind of – to use a phrase I don't particularly love, but they've made their bones. Okay, They, they right. probably have right, – right, right. they, they have a foundation, whereas we are – we're entering this. And I've been working for five years. And, and I feel like this landscape has existed the whole time. Max, I would ask you, you know, you know, who are the who are the kind of the icons of success right now? Who 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 do who do people like want to emulate? Because I think that's <sighs> an essential question here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm frustrated that you asked me this because you know what I'm going to say, and I don't want to say it. But it's people like. Elon Musk, who are tweeting that if you don't work 100 hours a week, you're a failure. It's, Mark, it's people like him. Mark Zuckerberg. Um, uh, but are and, we also seeing that these people are actually lunatics who are not to be treated as role models? But that's that's that's, that's what I've that's been not taking what away from this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I take away too. But still, that those are those are the gatekeepers of success. And as you pointed out recently to me, Sean, is it Patreon? Is that how we say it? Uh, Patreon. Patreon um, is kind of eating itself because instead of being a company that just you know gradually makes profits year after year, the expectation is it has to be exponential. It has to grow, and you have people, you know, these other people that you might aim to be these big venture capitalists like uh, 
Peter T, who who we don't like on this this program, but those are the people that we're supposed to to you know emulate. And a lot of those, it's like if you're 25 and not a billionaire because you've worked 100 hours a week, you've you've kind of failed. So so these middle these these people that are older, those were not the people that they had right. to emulate. And I get now there's been a big change, and I'm sympathetic to that, but. That mindset of if you don't work 100 hours, you're you're a failure. That's that's the environment we're in. It's not this, uh-huh. you know, it's not this middle of the road kind of you go along and accept small returns year after year. We can't we can't do that. I mean, we can do that, but it's not successful. Well, so I would say I would say that there is to a certain extent there is a shred of there is actually a shred of truth to what he's saying in that with the way with the way that uh, costs have skyrocketed and wages have not risen accordingly it is really hard it is really goddamn hard to work a regular 40 hour a week job and have like a comfortable life in a major metropolitan area in the U.S. in a there way that no it middle. wasn't in a way that it wasn't for previous generations. Yeah, and that's so that, not what Elon Musk is saying. <laughs> wow. I, no, no, I I know, but if you squint real hard and you say, "Well, is there maybe something adjacent to what he's saying that's right?" You can find it there. Um, but now, basically, the only way you can make it you know, living in San Francisco, working 40 hours a week is if you're working 40 hours a week is Peter Thiel's blood boy. That's a, that's a high paying job. I would also, imagine so. But um, also to get that job, there's, there's only like one person who can get it. That, exactly. And, and there's that mindset too, which is everyone wants the same jobs. And then those jobs kind of require you to be this ultra qualified, ultra hard, hard worker. And it, you know, how do you do that? And going back to, you know, this, which is how, what is the cause for the burnout? It's to do it. You have to be connected all the time. And, and I think, and that's your phone. And I would bring up, you know, and I think Sean, you were trying to get to this is I've had people that I work with and I wouldn't say they're wrong. I think it's, it's rooted in something that makes a lot of sense. Um, I can have a work phone that's separate than my personal phone, but they're like, you should just put them together. You know, why, why wouldn't you, um, you know, and it's, and it's like, well, I like the division, but by having that division, am I not giving the, (laughs) am I not giving as much as I can to this, this company that treats me, treats me very well. I like, I like working where I work, but I could do more. Right. You know, and then it, then what does that become? Then is, 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 you know, your life, your work, is you know where where is that balance and does it matter anymore well it's supposed to it certainly it certainly is supposed to and you know i I think a lot of it a lot of it comes down to like how you approach your life Mm -hmm. and and where you seek your fulfillment from and you know i know that um That you know the the tech giants are, and and it's something that's trickling down to smaller companies too, are are placing a really high 
value on providing essentially providing ancillary experiences to work in your office life. It's yeah. game rooms, it's super comfy chairs, it's the nap, the nap pod, puppy therapy, all of the above, yeah. with the idea that you will make life, that you will make work your life, and that you will be able to find fulfillment at your office, even though it's possible that you're not actually finding fulfillment in your work. And so that's the big, the big con is that if you, like the people that work at Facebook probably would just rather make twenty to $50,000 more a year rather than have puppy therapy. Or it would certainly be better, it would be better from an economic perspective for those people if they had the cash and could then do with it what they will, whether they value you know, the security of money and they want to invest it so that it grows or whether they want to use that to fund experiences or, or even just get snacks that they like better. <coughs> you know, there's, there's the economic perspective that, you know, cash and gift cards are the best things you can give someone as a gift because really the best gift you can give someone is the ability to choose the gift for themselves because that's how you achieve the most utility. I mean, so, these are, but these, these amenities are, are things that are, are meant, things that are disguised as benefits to the workers in order to actually deliver the ultimate benefit to the employers in the form of those workers spending more time and feeling more connected so that they spend more time, work harder, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and you mentioned there, like the, the you give a good example of choice, and I think it's really a, a, a false choice, but in some ways we we buy into it and it might become unconscious. Max, I would point to, you know, Sean mentioned side hustles earlier, mm-hmm. but I think maybe a better way to think about it is in you as someone who is a, a data scientist, um, you know, there's this idea of developing side projects, you yep. know, what is what is the product? The you know what is what does a company that employ you have? They have you. You are you are a product. You are a service. So is that is that part of the the thing that's going on? Is you feel like I'm always I need to always be developing me, including coming up with ideas on the side. Yes, a thousand percent. I was actually going to get to that too, which is that I I feel guilty if I'm not developing myself not just through learning new technologies at work but also working on projects on the side and i know that all my coworkers that i talk to that are within my age bracket are working on projects on the side so they spend their weekends working essentially and, i mean we're recording my side project right now yeah so <laughs> Fuck, so I'm not getting and, paid for this am i yeah, and we'll be right back after the sponsored <laughs> message. <laughs> so, and and I think that's the thing is we have you know, there's something very positive to say that oh I am doing something outside of work that I enjoy but is also marketable. But mm-hmm. why do you enjoy it? Is it that I always want to be connected to that thing that is me? I mean, 
you know, unfortunately, uh, the the current president of the United States is someone who who is a brand, and his any of his success is based off of his brand. It is all the time; it doesn't stop. He's always connected to his brand, and has you know made a lot of money off of that brand. And I know where I work; they talk about branding all the time, and it makes me scared. But if your brand is data science, if your brand is podcast production. Don't you have to do that all the time? Isn't it the thing you are, and I hate this word, maybe than any other word, passionate about? So can't you can't disconnect from your passions. And if your passion is based off of this faulty foundation and you've duped yourself, I don't know how to undupe you. I, I just – I don't know. Your eyes are wide open, but they're – you know, you've got a, a passion cataract. Man, I'd like to point out another classic – window into the pierce bishop's soul where he explains that he is in fact allergic to joy humor passion all of the good things do you are you actually lactose intolerant too are we going to find out that you don't actually like cheese oh i really like cheese but sometimes my stomach does get upset usually in the mornings (laughs) uh that's why i stopped never mind that's that's a different conversation uh no, I, I love I, you know joy is good. You know we had it. We had a good time going to to a new brewery yesterday. I love going to new breweries, um, and we had. I'll talk about it later. But there was a very humorous moment as well, and and I enjoy humor. But that stuff was disconnected from my brand, unless that is my brand. Well, and and I'm I've been giving I'm giving you a hard time, but I actually think that again, if you kind of squint at what you said, there's something really valuable there, which is the idea that passion is again being co-opted by your employers people want you to be passionate about your work but by and large so few people get to work in the thing that they are passionate about i look i you know i I know that i have you know uh, some people that i i work with that listen to this and you know i i don't know that it's mind-blowing i don't think anyone will be shocked when i say that the thing that moves me forward in life is not thinking about the best ways to run digital advertising campaigns. I, you know, I am, I'm motivated to be good at my job and to be a professional person, but I'm not passionate about that. You know, I'm not passionate about that end. And so I get what you're saying where like, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't necessarily want someone coming up to me and saying, you know, make, you know, make digital marketing your passion this year because it's not going to be my passion. Um, and, and so I, I'm not, I'm not opposed. Like if you, if you get a chance to get paid doing the thing that you love most and that motivates you in life, that's awesome. Lean all the way into that. Like no one, I, I would, I think we're not saying that you shouldn't do that if you get the opportunity to. Yeah. But be beware of you know having your your the idea of your passion kind of leveraged against you yeah max yeah i just i think that's that's really the thing is that um being brought up to assume that that's attainable and that everyone's going to be able to have right. that is what's kind of gotten us into this situation at least partially and and is the burnout in some ways that you've connected your work to your passion and you've convinced yourself and maybe you get to five years in and realize oh wait i don't love this it's 
It's that, yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. And it all, not to go totally into a tangent, but it also relates to, you know, social media is is snippets of, of people's perfect lives. And then LinkedIn is this yeah. social media-esque passion work and monstrosity <laughs> that people are, you know, posting on as if, like, my Shouts life's perfect LinkedIn. and I wrote this yeah. article, this listicle about the 10 things to improve my personal brand. And it's yeah. it's all just this. Yeah, and it's, it's all right uh, there to the point that Wall Street Journal was reporting this week about kind of the, the change in people drinking. Um, they may be drinking a lot less. And they pointed to possible the correlation and possible causation with you know your your instagram and your linkedin and everything is is put together and you know do you want to be seen out drinking on your instagram because that connects to your personal brand and and wherever you're working and so people you know are potentially choosing not to drink as they once did uh because those are all together as opposed to (coughs) i try to and maybe you know i would be thrilled to as as you mentioned if you find if you somehow find work that you really adore and that is your thing awesome but my view right now and i've been fortunate to to find it is that i i work and i think i work decently hard and it affords me time and disposable income to pursue things that i like doing it doesn't have to be a passion it's just crap that i like doing on the weekends right being able to being able to afford a Kindle and new Kindle books. And that's the hard thing is is not feeling guilty about doing crap. Right. And and this comes back again to the idea of balance. And you so you've got your work bucket, you've got your life bucket, you've got your sleep bucket. Those buckets are filled with time. Mm-hmm. And you have to find something that balances them out somehow. And so it's really, when I think about my life, like it's really important. I think it's always really important that you find, like even if you find fulfillment in your work, and that's a great thing, more power to you. I'm, I have days where I'm a little jealous of you, um, but, but that's a great thing. But you can't, you can't ever let that stop you from finding things that will be fulfilling in the life bucket because the life bucket just follows you around no matter what, you know, no matter what you do for work, like you still have life. And so, you know, that to me is the, the insidious thing about, you know, trying to put the onus on, we'll find your passion, find your fulfillment in work. It's that if you get there, (coughs) or it seems like you're getting there because you have puppy therapy at work and that's cool too, then it might, it might trick you into thinking that you don't need to keep developing outside and not developing side hustles, but developing a life and an identity as a person. And so, you know, I actually found, um, a a useful read. Uh, my, my manager recommended it to me, a year or two ago when we were talking about, you know, uh, you know, I've been really fortunate. I have a great manager who has been, you know, really good about not just kind of working on professional development, but, or professional development within the context of my current job, but like developing the kind of things that will, will help you continue to function as a professional person and as a 
person person in your life. And she recommended this book called The Defining Decade about how important and formative your 20s are. And like that is the time where you find all of these things about who you are and what fulfills you and what drives you, not just in work, but in the things that you do outside of work in the relationships that you have with people. And so like, I really enjoyed reading that and that kind of, kind of helped direct how I feel about this now. Yes. Yeah. I see, I get that. And I think that you're, you're right that you should develop your work and develop yourself. But I think that's also partially where this problem comes in is that people feel like they always need to be developing, if not their work, then themselves. And you feel guilty sitting on the couch doing nothing for an hour yeah. because you're not developing work or yourself. And I don't, I think that's a problem. And then people try to f- solve uh, this by saying, oh, well, I'll give myself a face mask or I'll go get a, a massage or I'll do yoga because those are, these are going to reduce anxiety. And it's like, no, that's just buying into more shit. That's not actually what you need to do, which is to truly disconnect from this world of constantly developing, whether professionally or personally. I don't think that saying, oh, you should read this book is, I mean, it's good. And I absolutely, you know, I want to agree with you, but I also think you need to almost take a step back and just do nothing. Oh, I I definitely agree with that. I do. Yeah. And, and I, I, I would bring up now is just these, that makes me think of we've done for the last couple of years, I think at work, it's the basically the last two weeks of the year are this, um, it's a collective disconnect. You're supposed to disconnect for two weeks. And as Max just said, um, like we get the time off and it's really awesome for me because I'm able to do that. But I realize that not everyone can do that. What, what are you disconnecting from? You're disconnecting from you is what that becomes if you have, are putting everything into this all the time, you know, whatever whatever that is. And I, for me, that's that's the burnout right there is that you can't disconnect and if you stumble into something happens you get really sick and you have to disconnect and then it's this existential crisis of wow i've been working really hard and maybe i don't feel as strongly about this thing as as i did but i feel like that's the only way to be successful and i think the measures for success are tied to always being there yeah and sometimes we need to not be there and that's that should be okay and i don't think it is right now yep that's fair and and i realize that the 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 semantics of that are important too and like developing yourself is not exactly what i intended um and like you know we, i think there there's plenty of deserved mocking for the idea of self-care and just like you know well, I'll put on a face mask but like that shit is good for you it is like taking time to relax and do nothing <clears throat> is a really useful thing for you. It maybe yeah. shouldn't be what you do all the time, but like having I, I treasure weekends where I get to just be a slug. I mean, I the, I I so thoroughly enjoyed um, when I, when I moved to the apartment I'm in now. Um, over the summer of 2017 and I spent five weeks where I said no development I'm gonna spend all of my non-work time either sleeping or watching the first six seasons of Game of Thrones yeah. and yeah. Like, it was great 
I think, yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of to wrap it up, too, is, like, when you get back from a, a weekend and you get back to work and it's the tone of when you say, oh, what did you get up to this weekend? You have this conversation with, you know, what, 20 coworkers every Monday. What would you do <laughs> in the weekend? And someone is always like, you know, I didn't really do anything. And you can tell by the way they say it if they feel kind of guilty about that. And my point is just don't feel guilty Oh, I say that. it with pride every time that was and I, and, I tr- and if someone says it, I'm <clears> like, that's awesome. Like, I was busy and I'm tired. I, I shouldn't feel like I'm busy and tired after the weekend if our work weeks are built around having two days of rest and I'm tired on Monday because right. I was busy over the weekend. Something's probably and, off. And I would say, like, to close, and I've probably said this to both of you before. I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but um, when I changed jobs previously, I did feel burnt out, but not in the same way that, you know, really successful people feel burnt out. I just felt really burnt out because I was working on. And one of the moments I realized that I needed to change jobs as I was talking to people and I realized that um, money isn't worth anything if you don't have time to spend it. And the time is not worth anything if you don't have people to spend it with. And I always assumed in that, as we're talking about this, that Everyone had the same conception of how to spend time, which is doing stuff you enjoy that's not work. And as we talk about burnout and disconnection, I realize that I'm the one with a different conception of time. Because for a lot of people, that time should still be spent doing work-related things, as you guys are talking about everything mm-hmm. now. So that's still a driving thing for me. But I kind of feel like I'm the naive one who <coughs> wants to spend their time doing something that is not propelling yeah, a brand, and that's wild to me. Drew, okay, take time for yourself. You know, it's it's good. Yeah. Give yourself time. Relax to on the couch. Music. Listen to a podcast. Yeah, our podcast. This one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're already doing that, so thank you. Um, and yeah. if you if you have things that that you like to do, just when you have some time for yourself, and you want to talk about them, uh, find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and. Let us know, you know, speaking of hashtag branding, um, we'll, but we'll move on now, uh, now that we've preached from the pulpit for, for several minutes, uh, to, to an act of confession, uh, yes. an act of confession we do every week called Pierce's sorry. And, uh, what are you, what are you apologizing for today? Um, so uh, as I mentioned, a, a humorous thing happened happened yesterday on our, our adventures into northwestern Virginia. Um, <clears throat> and Max, I think you, you are familiar enough to, to, to recognize this, but um, having been to a few fish shows, one of the best – two of the best things about going to fish shows is that the people who are there who follow them all around. Um, and the other thing is those people – kind of strategizing and thinking about, oh, what song are they going to play? What haven't they played in a while? What would be significant given this venue or this year or, you know, what the date is? Like there's there's really some calculus going in there that is fascinating. And then they're wrong and they're right and they really appreciate it. And there's there's also the unexpected nature of this. So the thing that, you know, at least I recognize that makes fish great is the unexpected um, you know, bashing against the expectations, which which are always bets, like at, at best, they're they're like weather forecasts. They're usually wrong, but that makes it. But it actually makes it exciting, unlike when it snows unexpectedly. So Max, we went to Ocelot, which is one of the best breweries in Loudoun County, if not the best, yesterday, 
And uh, what did they have at Ocelot besides great beer? They had a fish cover band. Yes. Now, when you go to see a Journey cover band, you know exactly what they're going to play, and that's what you're there for. As I just mentioned, the the cool thing about Fish is not knowing what to expect. So when I was there for 20 minutes and they played all the songs that you would play, you know, a, a greatest hits list of Fish songs, it was terrible. <laughs> and if I didn't apologize, I, I apologize to, to you, Max, now, and I would apologize to Kevin as he was with us as well. I apologize for taking you somewhere where there was a fish cover band because that's a terrible idea. <laughs> they played well, but like it is just just not the type of band that needs a cover band. So yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, as soon as you said fish cover band, hmm, that seems mm. weird because the whole point of a cover band, it not just a journey cover band. The whole point of a cover band yeah. is to play recognizable songs, mm-hmm. and that works. For the kind of band that has greatest hits albums, does Fish even have greatest hits type albums? No, but if you so if you listen to Fish, you recognized those songs that were played over the twenty sure. minutes. Sure, and Lord, there were people singing along. It was awful, but so you recognize it. But it's it's kind of an inherently douchey thing to be to like for Fish, which is one of the most unpretentious concerts I've been to and is not douchey. If you go to a fish cover band and start singing along, you become a huge douche because it's like yeah. a niche band mm-hmm. with douchey people. All right. Now that we've gotten yeah. our uh, – we've filled our quota for using the word douche in 2019 yeah. oh, uh, and God. it's February 17th as we're recording this. Um, do you have something to add, Max? Yeah, well, but also a shout out to uh, Ocelot Brewing. Because not only are they a fantastic brewery, but they seem to have expanded oh, yeah. um, and added a whole other room with like a stage and things. Oh, That's neat. where this concert was taking Damn. place. It was it was great um, in the sense that you could be at the brewery in the normal room and not be in the room with the fish cover yes. band. <laughs> Stupid Just point respiratory that out. infections. Ah, I'm bummed I couldn't see Pierce's reaction to that in real time. Um, but uh, we'll close the show with... Uh, as we do, a big idea from pop culture. And, and you talked about sitting on the couch and listening to podcasts. And as I was sick for the past week, uh, I had plenty of time to do that, uh, catching up on on stuff. And and so uh, it's been a while since I've talked about a podcast in this segment. Uh, so let's, let's redirect back to that. Uh, okay. David Chang. David Chang, one of the it's pretty okay, just general MVPs of life, right? Sure. Yeah, but isn't he on the Bill Simmons podcast network? He is. Um, but I have I'm so I'm not a regular listener of Chang's podcast or anything, but I listened to actually well, this wasn't over the week while I was sick. This was this morning. Um, but he did uh his most recent episode is with uh, this writer named Lois Eli who I grew up knowing as a Metro columnist for the times picking in New Orleans, uh, who is now sort of a food critic, uh, is a, apparently is a writer for the Amazon series, man, the high castle, which is kind of neat. Oh. Um, <clears throat> consulted on Treme. And then, uh, I also learned was one of the founding members of the Southern foodways Alliance. And so they oh. were talking about, uh, one of one of Chang's big things is, 
you know, rejecting authenticity for authenticity's sake. And so, you know, I, I really enjoyed their conversation. I think it would be worth checking out if you are interested in food, if you're interested in Southern food, if you're interested in the American South, or even if you're just interested in the idea of innovation and how we how we struggle against the bonds of tradition and then people ultimately break out from those bonds and do something that is new and creative. <coughs> Ooh, man, it's, uh, it's going away, I promise. Um, but, but they talked about kind of the, the difference between what, um, you know, what an institution like the James Beard Awards or the Michelin Stars are meant to do and what an organization like Southern Foodways Alliance is meant to do, which is really more focused on kind of, you know, celebrating approaches. Um, and, and one of the things that came up, which I, I really enjoyed, was, I think it was Chang saying, I hate authenticity when authenticity is generations and generations just copying what the person before them did. But I really love authenticity when it's in the context of preserving something and educating people about it. And so you, Pierce, love to talk about the difference between why and because. And you never flesh it out enough. You never explain. I feel like you never explain it all the way. Mm -hmm. But that, to me, was a great encapsulation of that. It's not just we do this because that's how our grandparents and our great-grandparents did it. It's why did they do it this way? What were the socioeconomic conditions? What were the agricultural conditions that led them to cook this way? And and so why, you know, why is that going away now? And why would it be good for us to preserve it? And so that's something, you know, that's something that really resonated with me today. Uh, it's why I love the season of Mind of a Chef uh, with Sean Brock. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I, I really, uh, so Lola's Eli talked a lot about, you know, the inherent differences in new Orleans from other places, which is about, he suggested it was largely about food as a cultural identifier. Um, and, and how it really is an inherent part of the culture there in a way that it's not in Ohio or Indiana. Um, but I just, I love that thought of preservation and education, like why something is important. And so if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in, I do, I think that episode would be a really cool listen. Yeah. Sounds like it. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Any parting shots before we head out? No. No, I think Max put in a plug to, to basically have any event you ever have at Ocelot, which is probably right. All righty. Yeah. Uh, cool. Unless your event is a fish cover band, <laughs> and then don't do that. And on that note, uh, that's the end of the show. Find us it on is. Facebook or Twitter at Pretty OK Pod or at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the feed so you get our episodes every week. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, most other places that you might listen. If you do that, please do us a favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, uh, or 
just find a friend who you think might be interested in what we're doing and tell them about the show so we can share it with them as well. We will be back again, as always, next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. Cheers. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.